Again, beloved, we open our Bibles to James chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verse 17. Please keep your Bibles marked here. We will look at a few verses that come earlier in the text at one part in the sermon. But our text this evening, again, is James 1.17, and we're continuing uh, kind of a little bit of a mini-series, as it turns out. We're continuing from uh, where we were two Lord's Days ago uh, in terms of um, studying uh, some things about God and the primary things to look about Him in the shorter Catechism number four, James 1.17, and what we're studying tonight is the fact that God never changes. We're studying the fact that God is immutable. God is immovable. God never changes. As the Catechism says, uh, he is infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably his attributes that we will talk about. So we see that tonight in verse 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. As that's brief, let me read that once more for us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. May the Lord bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the responding to his holy word in life. We continue again looking at God's attributes through the lens or the guidance of Westminster Shorter Catechism number four. Also guided looking at God's attributes with that as the lens with Robert Raymond and his new systematic theology of the Christian faith. As he explains, it's all summarized ultimately about this. God is glory. If we were to answer in one question that we could say God is spirit, the beginning of the answer. Uh, as we look at it all, I think he, he's right to suggest that God God is glory. So we studied that first, remembering our chief end is to glorify him. The first three words that come next describe the rest. Remember, he guides us with that. God is infinite, God is eternal, and God is unchangeable in all his attributes. We've looked at uh, the fact that he is infinite. We've looked this morning at the fact that he is eternal. And tonight we study the third qualifying idea of how God is different than us. He is, he is this way about all of attributes in a way we are not. He is unchangeable. Sometimes we refer to this as he is immutable. And we can think about uh, what we learn about sometimes with mutations. We, we never really want to hear about a mutation as we're going to a, a visit with a doctor about our, our baby coming because when there is a mutation that's a loss of information, uh, messing up of information that causes defects. You see, God is incorruptible. He, he doesn't mutate. He doesn't change. He's incorruptible. He's unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And we can think about this with the illustration that's given to us in the text. It talks about he's not like a shadow. Shadows are always changing. Uh, you think about even when you, you ever try this when you're a kid, you try to, I still try to do it sometimes. You ever try to jump on your shadow? You ever try to, you can never, it's always moving. You can, you can just never get on it, right? Um, 
versus what we'll learn about tonight with other illustrations of God that are true. He's a rock. Scriptures often speak about God as a rock. So Matthew Henry quoting Baxter and John Calvin all point out that the sun doesn't move. As we think about shadows, the earth moves. And all the things on the earth move. So it looks like the shadows are moving and things, but it's not the sun that's moving. It's the earth. It's the clouds. So the shadows shift and they fade throughout the day. And they never stay in the same place to keep shade over you. You can't rely on them. They're gone before you know it. They're fleeting. In contrast, James is saying, God is our immovable sun. Fixated. He is our immovable rock who is steady and sure. And again, as we were driving back to and from Presbytery through all of these mountains, these huge rock formations were so impressive. They look immovable. I mean, they're incredible to think about. And so we're encouraged to think about God as a rock in contrast to a shadow. God is steady. God is sure. There are no shadows of turning in him, James says. There's no variableness in him. There's no variety of change. And one day is this, one day is he something else. He is everything he is, infinite, eternally, and unchangeably all the time and absolutely. The Greek uh, could be trans, trans, uh, translated as change, turning and variableness. It's this idea of change. There's no changing with God. There's, God does not change is what he's emphasizing. And the shadows, again, that are always changing. You can never count on them. God's not like that. He is instead the father of lights. He shines steady as our light of the world. He gives sight energy, clarity, always. As the world turns, so the shadows shift. But God remains on his throne with the whole world in his hand, and his hand never shakes. He's a rock. And the sun is always shining with healing in his wings. Change is in us. Change is not in God. Or as often is said, God doesn't move. We move. When we think something's wrong with God or we don't know if we can trust him anymore, the truth is we can't trust ourselves. As Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. God is truth. He's always truth. He always tells the truth. And there's no shading and variations of that kind of truth, sort of truth, a little bit white lie. He's just rock solid truth all the time. And that's never going to change about him or his providence or his word. He is immovable. God's gifts are all perfect because they are from our constantly reliable heavenly father. I give that to you as the main idea of our text. God's gifts are all perfect because they are from our constantly reliable heavenly father. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is reliable. And beloved, that's striking when we consider what James says earlier. God is not like the man in James 1 in verses 6 to 8. 
Let's look at verses 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, like a flickering shadow, right? For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Oh, God, protect us from being like that. And God, protect us from having fathers like that. And James is saying our fathers, nothing like that. He doesn't change. He is stable. You can count on him. And everything he gives you is right and good, including difficult providences, because they're ultimately for your good. Herman Bavink explains, Scripture testifies that in all these various relations and experiences, God remains ever the same. Though everything perishes, he endorses. He remains what he is. Psalm 102, 26 to 28, which we just sang this evening. He is Jehovah, who remaineth eternally the same. He describes himself as Jehovah the first, and with the last, I am he. Isaiah 41, 4, 43, 10, 46, 4, 48, 12. He is what he is. Deuteronomy 32, 39, and John 8, 58, Hebrews 13, verse 8. He is the incorruptible God who only hath immortality. He remains ever the same. Romans 1.23, 1 Timothy 1.17, and chapter 6.16, Hebrews 1.11 and 12. Moreover, being immutable in his existence and essence, he is also unchangeable in his thoughts and will in all his purposes and decrees. He is not a man that he should repent. And what is repentance? Change your mind. He does what he threatens. Numbers 15, 29, 1 Samuel 15, 29. The gifts and the calling of God are not repented of. Romans eleven twenty nine. He does not cast off his people. Romans 11, verse 1. He perfects what he begins. Psalm 138, verse 8. Philippians 1, verse 6. Summing it up in one word, writes Bavink, he, Jehovah, changes not. Malachi 3, verse 6. And if you were to write one more verse down, especially on this doctrine, Malachi 3, verse 6 would be an especially helpful one. He doesn't change, is what he says. With him there can be no variation, neither shadow that is cast by turning. And he's alluding to James 1.17, our text for this evening. Bavik points out that this runs counter to heathen mythology. Right. If you study any of the mythology or any of the false gods of, you know, pick your religion, pick your, you know, whether it's Greek mythology, they're always changing. They're just like men. They cannot be counted on. Right. Uh, they're just just like crazy humans, fallen humans there. You can't count on them, you see. 
That's why there's often, and we've seen when we've been studying Deuteronomy, these false gods, they often have a lot of them because they can't do everything. And I need this God right now. I need this God for that. And God's saying, I'm the one constant everything. I'm the only one, by the way. Not only does it run counter to heathen mythology, but it runs against Pelagian and Arminian theology who teach that God is changeable, not in his being, but in his will. That is, God changes his mind and he might want you to be saved. Maybe he doesn't want you to be saved. Depends on the day. And therefore relies on you instead of on him. And where is your sense of security and assurance of salvation in that, let alone is terribly unbiblical? People who say we can change God's will. I've heard people say, we're going to go to prayer and we're going to change God's mind. The well, first thing they ought to be doing is asking God to change their understanding of himself. Dealing with the deniers of the doctrine of God's immutability, that he doesn't change. He doesn't change his will. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change in his being. He doesn't change ever at all. Dealing with the deniers of this doctrine, it should be noted, he writes, one, that scripture teaches this doctrine very clearly. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. 1 Samuel 2, verse 2. Psalm 19, verse 4. Excuse me, verse Verse 14. And all of those scriptures refer to God as not a shadow, but as a rock. Can you imagine if we sang the Psalms and turn to the scriptures? God is a shadow. Yay. God is a. I mean, would you have any sense of security in that or confidence? I mean, it doesn't even last an hour, let alone a day, let alone eternity. Spoken of as a rock. And, and even in Psalm 19, verse 14, a scripture we love and comment about often. Literally, in verse 14, it says, the Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's literally the Lord, my rock, my strength, but literally my rock. And that's the idea. Strength. He's strong. Nobody can move him. Number two, Bob Inc. writes, it should be noted, number two, that the very idea of Godhead leaves no room for that of change. If God, according to his essence, can change, he cannot be God. And number three, that the rejection of the doctrine of God's immutability implies the rejection of all God's attributes. If God is changeable, he cannot be eternal, omniscient, etc. And frankly, as we think of this as a qualifying adjective, if God is not, uh, if God is not unchangeable, that is, if God is changeable, he cannot be good, at least not all the time. He cannot be wise all the time. He also writes this. Creation, revelation, and incarnation did not bring about any change in God. God never made a, quote, new plan. There's no plan B with God. There's no, ah! Of course, this overlaps with omniscience. Ah, I didn't see that coming. Now, what do I do? No! There's no plan B with God. There's no new plan. By the way, I submit with a little bit of an aside, and we, we covered this in the study of the doctrine of the covenant with uh, chapter 7, I believe, of the confession of faith and membership class. If I can just make the aside, this relates to what Adam could have earned in the garden. There's no plan B. Christ was always to have the preeminence. 
to give us heaven and eternal life. Colossians 1.18. But that's a bit of an aside that I can't resist putting in there. There's no plan B with God. You see, God has no potential. That might straight, ooh, don't say that about God. He has no potential. We say that to one another. You've got potential, which means you're not what you're going to be. You could be so much more. God, nobody can say that of God. He has no potential. He is perfect. That's what we studied related to infinity. He is perfect. So there's no potential. He's perfect. He does not grow. He does not learn. He teaches. He is all-knowing. He does not experience this relates to a doctrine called the impassibility of God, which means he cannot get hurt. He does not suffer. So healing and strengthening is always in him. Now, expressions about God that sound emotional or sound like he has feelings are what we call anthropopathic. And that relates to the word anthropomorphic. You know, sometimes you might say God has wings. He beckons us in, covers like a, like a hen, but he's not really a chicken. He doesn't even have a body, right? We understand these things. Literally, when it says God is angry, which we'll talk about that with anthropopathisms, but anthropomorphisms, you know, it, it, in the Hebrew, it's always his, his nostrils are flaring is the literal way of, that it's being said. But he doesn't have nostrils, right? God is a spirit. Remember the beginning of, uh, of our shorter catechism number four. So these things are being said to help us understand God in ways that we can understand. And we're never really going to fully understand these kinds of things about him, but he's helping us have a sense of them to know him better and marvel in him. So he doesn't have feelings and he does not have emotions. When I first read that years ago, I remember saying, you won't believe what I was reading Gordon H. Clark. And as I studied, I'm like, he's right. By the way, love is not an emotion. It's a disposition. If that worries you. But here's why it's important. What do we say about people sometimes? Ah, oh, they are just so emotional, right? And some people try to excuse their sins. Well, you have to, I'm such an emotional person. Well, you know, that's actually our problem, isn't it? We let our lives be run by our emotions and our feelings rather than the rock-solid truth of God and his word. We're supposed to govern our emotions and feelings as human beings by his word. This is not to say that feelings and emotions are sinful. This is how we are created. But we are sinners born in a sinful world. And emotions and feelings change, you see. We're not supposed to be God. We can't be God. You know, we can even have different kinds of thoughts and feelings based on our lack of knowing everything, our lack of perceiving everything. But God doesn't ever change. Feelings are changing. That's why we don't want to be called emotional usually. Usually that's a pejorative statement, right? One day he's up here. Other day he's down here. Don't make that person the pastor, you know. Don't make that person have that management job. You need somebody that is just constant and steady and doesn't get overwhelmed. And Okay. But of course, all humans have these changed things, but God never changes. Unconditional love, you see. His love for you doesn't fluctuate based on you who are like shifting shadows. <laughs> because he doesn't change. His love, remember, is an everlasting love. It can't be moved. It can't be altered. It cannot be lessened for you. Bavink also writes this. 
If God were not immutable, he would not be God. His name is being. And this name is an unchangeable name. The essence of God, whereby he is, has nothing changeable, neither in eternity, nor in truthfulness, nor in will. Again, you've heard people say prayer changes things. Certainly, the Lord uses our prayers. And I think more than anything, he uses our prayers to change us. But they don't change God, and they don't change his mind pray I think often give us the mind of Christ let us change more to the mind of Christ but here's the here's the wonderful thing God will never love you differently and also I want you to hear this God will never lie to you you know some people you think you can trust them and they say they're going to do this or show up for that next thing they don't too, too many times Christians are like that. The James one man. I know I've shared before, but I remember hearing the story of a, a young lady from Africa in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I used to live years ago, going to seminary. And the pastor said that, uh, you know, several people, I think it was high school age at the time, said, oh, well, we'll have to go to the movies this Friday. She thought they must mean that and showed up to the movies and they did not. This lack of being able to trust anybody to speak the truth and mean it and show up and back it up. God's not like that. He is truth. He always tells the truth. And he always shows up with what he says he's going to do. He will never go back on a promise to you. Never. There's, this, is, this doesn't happen with God, the father of lights. He's not like too many earthly fathers. He doesn't say, yes, I promise. And then the next day, well, well, you know, now that I've thought it over, uh, or, you know, now that the circumstances have changed or, you know, I just met someone new. He never does that. Think about his eternal decree. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 3, Section 1. God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Section 4 of Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 3 on God's eternal decree. These angels and men thus predestinated and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed and their number so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. Because God has ordained who will believe on him because God has ordained his elect and thus Jesus saves his people from their sins. He doesn't have one drop of blood fall from the cross in vain. You cannot lose your salvation. Because that would be for God to change his mind about you. But Ephesians 1 4 says this. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Before you had anything to do about it. Well, think about the same kind of doctrine in God's covenant election. Chapter 9 of Romans. Before either son did anything, good or bad, before they existed, God chose. 
whom he would love. Confession of faith, chapter 3, section 5. Those of mankind that are predestinated unto life, God before the foundation of the world was laid according to his eternal and immutable purpose. And the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will has chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory out of his mere free grace and love without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing in the creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto and all to the praise of his glorious grace." You whom God has chosen to be vessels of his mercy unto his glory, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and nobody's going to change that. Not even you when you start to doubt. Nothing changes about God's commitment to you in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, immutable purpose. Okay, let me just challenge you. You who might doubt your salvation, or I mean we who doubt our salvation and struggle with where we are the Lord, he... He has an immutable purpose that he's called you in Christ. Do you dare suggest that you can change and alter God's purpose? Including your salvation and mercy. You see the assurance of salvation here it has nothing to do with you. I mean, isn't that what we heard in Deuteronomy a lot recently? It has nothing to do with you. If I treated you according to the way you are, you'd be gone. <laughs> right? Don't forget... It's not because of any righteousness. Actually, you're terribly wicked. It's not because you're strong. You're actually terribly small. It's because I chose you, and I can do whatever I want because I'm God. And if I chose you before the foundation of the world, I'll never lose you. You're always mine because I chose to make you mine. Deal with it. And how should we deal with it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your love cannot be moved. But let us be moved by that love. Bavink also writes this. The doctrine of God's immutability is of the highest significance for religion. The contrast between being and becoming marks the difference between the creator and the creature. Only he is pure being and no becoming. This relates to our study of his eternality this morning. Bavink continues. Hence, in the scripture, God is often called the rock. Again, not these shadows from James, the rock. Deuteronomy 32, 14, 15, 18, 30, 31, 37. Just that one chapter alone. <laughs> 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, 2 Samuel 22, verse 3 and 32, Psalm 19, verse 14, 31, verse 2, Psalm 62, verse 2 and 6, Psalm 73, 26, <gasps> and that's just a few. God is a rock. Bavink says, on him man can firmly rely. He does not change with respect to his being, nor with respect to his knowing or willing. He ever remains himself. And I might add in there in brackets, faithful. Every change is foreign to God, he writes. He transcends every change in time, for he is eternal in space. For he is omnipresent in essence, for he is pure being. Whence Christian theology often called God pure actuality. 
You see, beloved, God will never call you his son. He'll never call you his daughter today. And then tomorrow dismiss you as a fired servant. Or kick you like a dog that he was just petting the day before. He is the purely perfect father. How, how this affects you, how should it affect you? Well, again, Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see why this matters? Well, you're always changing. We're always changing. He should consume us all the time. We're not constant. But God, because he's constant and he's faithful to his covenant, he's faithful to his purpose before all time. He, because he doesn't change, therefore you are not consumed. Let alone lose your salvation. Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is that your immutability, your unchangeableness, Lord. And because of that, your mercies are new every morning. We're never consumed because God doesn't change. He doesn't change on his promise. He doesn't change on his purpose. Psalm 102, verses 25 to 28, again, that we sang together this evening. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same. And thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue. And their seed shall be established before thee. You see that certainty in Christ. Because God doesn't change, his servants, his people shall continue. They will be in the celestial city. They will persevere until the end because God doesn't change. And on top of that, I love this, our covenant children, their seed, the servants of God's seed shall be established before thee. Set. Secure. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Before I continue, if you excuse me, I'm thinking of a, a funny clip that I think we could appreciate what's being said here. Uh, there was this, uh, this one sitcom, and this guy wakes up. It's the beginning of the whole series. He wakes up, and he's coming out of his bathroom, and he's hair all over. And Well, his, his assistant says, uh, there to help with this aging father, well, you're not a morning person. <laughs> he's like, 
he tastes his coffee. Ah, my coffee. Like, ah, what is this? Where's my whatever it is, you know, fancy name. Oh, well, that's it. But she added an eggshell and some something else in the ground. And he pours it out. You know, he goes to get his newspaper. It's not outside the door. He starts yelling at his neighbors. No, 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 no. We got it. We got it. What is this? It's been red already. It's not crisp and clean and neat, you know? And, and then he explains to them, if you're going to live with me, what you need to understand is I've got to have it all the same. I cannot function if I don't have all these things, you know? And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Whatever changes, it doesn't affect him at all. He's the same. And you see that sense of certainty, that sense of confidence. I mean, what else can you say that about? Who else can you say that about? Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer, my Deliverer is the same yesterday, today, forever. Everything he said about himself is the same. Everything he did is the same. All that it means and all that it will mean for me is the same. Thus, because Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, verse 8, let us bring that back and apply verse 5. Be content. Why? Because Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Everything about ourselves and everything about life will constantly be changing all around us. We can go to Jesus at every moment. And be content in him because it will never change with him. And thus, beloved, neither will his and your father change or forsake you. Now, notice the text tonight. He's the what of heavenly lights? He's the father. He's the father of lights. Now, this is an encouragement to think about with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 8 through 13. Be thankful that God disciplines you because it is a sign that you have a father, just like earthly, earthly fathers discipline their children. And that's how you know you're, you have an earthly father. He says, this is how you know you're not a spiritual bastard. You're not a child that isn't, doesn't have a father. You know because God, your father in heaven, disciplines you. That's a sure sign that you have a father who is steady and sure. He shows up. He puts up with you. And he's never done perfecting you, so you keep changing into the image of his son. And this includes discipling you, but it also includes disciplining you regularly, which you know you need it. Even though you fight it, you long for that security and structure. And when he does, you appreciate it, that he never changes. You see, a father you can't count on won't deal with you. I can't deal with that. I don't have the patience for that. I'm going out. I'm going bowling with the boys. You deal with it, Mom. No, a father just keeps showing up and dealing with his children because he loves them. And, you know, when we were at Presbytery this week, several churches were talking about the elders and pastors of several churches. We're talking about something that we've experienced a little while longer ago, but they did more recently. A family that left uh, to a church that really can't be considered a true church. Because they didn't believe there was any place to spank the children. You can't spank the children. That, that's, of course, you know we've experienced that too. Blaspheming against the many proverbs of God's word that are true in this generation just as much as they were in every generation before us. Nothing changes. We change. 
psychology has changed the church. But God doesn't change. Humanity doesn't change. Sin doesn't change. And the way God says to raise our children doesn't change. And several of the elders said, you know, the sad thing is they never get to enjoy those sweet moments that are so tender after spanking. Because there's that moment of forgiveness when you've helped them to calm down and control themselves and they realize they're thankful, they know they need it, they fight what they need. Now, this is what you read in all the books. This one book I'm almost done with, uh, how to uh, make children mind so you don't lose your, without losing your mind. <laughs> You know? And it's pretty good. It's a Christian uh, fella, uh, and uh, I can share it with you uh, later if you're interested. But um, he talks about a number of things. He talks about, you know, especially the toddler, toddler years, they will fight exactly what they need from you. They will test your authority, and they desperately want it. And when you give it to them, they have peace. And so I, I couldn't help but think uh, when they talked about that, I said, yeah, you know, it's true. My little Dennis, one of our sons who will remain nameless, you know, I'm often called Mr. Wilson, you know, <laughs> you know he, needs, uh, he needs to really be worked with. He needs a little more pow-pows than some of the others, even at the same age. But afterward, when it's over, I, I, and it's not just him, it's the other little bit of, you know, others in similar age range. Uh, you know what I notice? And it, it's one of the most beautiful moments of, of parenting. When they come and they're at peace and unsolicited, and you don't see it coming, they say with the most beautiful, sweet and tender way, I love you, daddy. Nobody wants to hear that who's against it, but that's exactly what happens. I love you, daddy. Why? Because you showed up again when I needed it. Now I'm being giving you the rhetorical idea of it now. The structure I need, you give it to me. When I give you a reason to leave me, you don't leave me. When I give you a reason to give up on me, you keep making me the man or daughter I'm supposed to be. At those so important early years where I'm fluctuating like a shadow everywhere. You're my rock, Dad. By the way, you read the statistics, most people in prison don't have a father in their life growing up. Now, that's not always the case, but it often is the case. You read the statistics. Or they have a father, but they don't really. You see, because God never changes, you don't have to wake up in the morning and, and wonder if your Abba Father will still be there. You don't have to look, run to the garage or look out the window and see if the car is still there. Or at night, you wonder if he's going to come home from work this time. Or if he's going to stay married to your mama, who might be very fluctuating shadow. You don't have to worry. God is faithful to his wife. God is faithful to his children. As the scriptures say, he remains faithful even when we are not faithful. You know, with God as your father who never changes... You don't have to worry if he will be up and down, angry and happy. You never know how to approach him because you never know whether you're going to get a hug or a back of the hand. You don't have to wait for a good day to approach him. You can come to him on all your bad days. You don't have to try to find one day or worry about finding one day that he's gone and gone for good. 
know, I've been thinking about in the past folks that we've had, mostly visitors really, and, and more recently, it's interesting how often the fact that the person, and I'm thinking in several cases that come to mind, both grown men who said a lot of why they struggle to be faithful in the church and steady and sure is because they didn't have a father like that. And they don't trust, they, they struggle to trust God. They, they struggle to trust him as a father who is good and will never do bad. But you have to see that God is that father. Unlike all fathers, none of us are perfect fathers. But one thing they should think about and we should is, well, what kind of father are we going to be? And will we do our best to turn them to our heavenly father and ask for mercy and repentance and say, I'm sorry, I'm not your perfect father, but I will be your constant father, God helping me. But let us turn to our father of lights and pray to him. You see, God is your constantly reliable father who alone will never disappoint you. He lives forever and every day of your life. There's never a day he won't be there when you wake up. He always lives because he is immutable, because he is immovable, because he never changes, you can count on God completely. And the truth is that you and I don't believe that. But that's the rock solid truth, beloved. You can count his word to be true always. You can count that he will never disappoint you. You can trust him fully. He is the one in Deuteronomy 1 verse 31 who describes himself as carrying his church through the wilderness like a son until he reaches heaven to bring you there. And you'll never need to worry that he might throw you out along the way. He speaks of himself in Isaiah 40, 11. Jesus is the good shepherd gathering you his sheep with his lamb, uh, with his arms and carrying you in his bosom. Isaiah 40, 11. Always keeping you in the fold, never losing one of the sheep his father has given him. Because he's constant in the covenant. The blood of the everlasting covenant. Consider this also. The father doesn't play tricks on his children. I think we've all seen some horrible examples of that in life. The father does not play tricks on his children. He only ever gives good gifts. You see that? Because he is the father of lights, because he is God that doesn't change, he, everything he gives is good. It is never to be doubted. Everything he gives to you is good. He doesn't play tricks on you. Luke 11, verses 11 to 13, you ask for bread, he does not give you, he will never give you a stone. You ask for a fish, he's never going to give you a serpent. <laughs> you ask for an egg, he's never going to give you a scorpion. You know, it's so important, isn't that, that we have that sense of certainty and consistency from our fathers. Not to step on anyone's toes or shake any feathers, but I'm not keen on the idea that you just throw your kid in the pool and that's how they learn to swim. I've heard of that. It's really a serious thing to know how to swim and not be afraid, right? 
and everybody has their different places they need them and you know one of my children is was has been particularly frightful and one of the things i wanted him to learn i will never do anything that we haven't talked about and if i do something we've talked about you will know it's coming i wanted him to trust i will never dunk you i'll never throw you i'll never do anything to make you worry about your safety this is the idea with God. He will never prank you. He always protects you. You are safe in him and your salvation will never be taken away from you. He said he gave you heaven yesterday. It is still yours today. You are always changing, but he is ever the same. He is the constant covenant keeping God. And beloved, this is why James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. You can trust God to always give you good gifts that are always for your good. Romans 8, 28 is always true. Even the bad stuff, even the evil things are always given to you from God for your good. That's always true because God is infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably good and a father like that to you. So as your adopting father, you can be encouraged. God is gloriously unchangeable. That is the message for you this evening. God is gloriously unchangeable let us pray Lord we do thank you that you never change you never move you are the same yesterday today and forever let us put our complete trust in you and trust that you will carry us in your arms through the wilderness you will carry us as your children your sons you will carry us as your lambs in your arms and you won't lose us ever because the father gave us to you jesus help us to trust you better help us to trust every word that comes out of your mouth as our food Help us to act according to your word and trust your promises with it. Thank you. Thank you that you are forever faithful. And your promises are forever true and sure. You will raise us from the dead. You will give us a new heaven and earth. You will give us a new body to enjoy them. And we will enjoy eternal life and the great supper of the Lamb forever and ever.